What's up, everybody? My name is Joshua T. Berglund, and you are watching a conversation with Joshua T. Berglund on the Live Mana Network. Thank you so much for being here. I may get the camera thing a little confused. I moved my camera, so someday, sometimes you might see me looking this way or this way. <laughs> it's because I'm trying to pretend looking at that camera right there. Um, anyway, we are constantly tinkering with stuff here. Um, and if you followed my journey when we started with Gratitude Unfiltered and, you know, now doing a conversation with Joshua T. Berglund and all of the different things that we create and broadcast, you'll notice that the studio studio always looks different. You'll notice that, you know, things are just never perfect. That's by design. Well, not really. I would love for it to be perfect, but we are constantly tinkering with things because we want to make it perfect. We want it to look professional. And what you probably don't know is that we, like everything that we've, we've been able to accomplish going from starting a show on a phone to now having our own network, we've done it by all the grace of God. We've done it with no money. We've done it with being thrifty. We've done it with being creative. You should see the amount of lights that are here. And it's everything from construction lights to desk lights to spotlights and floodlights. Like we're trying everything and it's not going to be perfect right away. And look, if I had $100,000 to go write a check to say, okay, I want everything to be perfect, well, we would do that. But we don't have $100,000 yet to do that. So thank you because we've gotten a lot of feedback and people are making fun of our set and making fun of this and that. Well, I got news for you. At least we're freaking trying and I'm not sitting around waiting to go, hmm, when am I going to have the money? I'm going to wait till I have the money to pursue my dreams. No, screw that. I'm going to pursue my dreams every day of my life because that's what we're here for. We're here for that. And there's no, in my mind, when I think of people that are pursuing their dreams, what do you think about? When you think of somebody pursuing their dreams, what do you think about? Hollywood, right? Yeah, Hollywood. That's what I think of. I think of, and maybe it's because I had the blessing of getting to go to L.A. Actually, that's not even true. I remember when I was a kid, I was at my aunt and uncle's house, and they had this poster of one of my cousins. It's probably like a 15th cousin or something like that. Anyway, he was made it in Hollywood. Won't say his name, but he made it. And, he like, and it was a big thing because he left Oklahoma, went to Hollywood, going for his dreams, and then he got the big part. And that's what a lot of people think of when they think of going for their dreams. But the truth is, going for your dreams could be starting a media company, could be starting a talk show, it could be being a teacher, a psychotherapist. It, it, it's different for everybody. But ultimately, you were here and you were created to be able to not only go for your dreams, but to reach your dreams. But we can never do that. When we're trying to be like everyone else, we got to stay true to ourselves. And I'm not going to lecture you on in any of that. But I get really excited when I have the opportunity to meet anyone or have anyone on this broadcast from Hollywood. Um, I lived there for several years. I, I love L.A. to me, even though I'm blessed to live where I live in Prior Lake, Minnesota. Um, L.A. is home for me. Um, I, I, I found life there. I died there, found life. <laughs> L.A. is a special place, but one of the things that I've always loved about L.A. and Hollywood are being around other people that are pursuing their dreams. There's nothing more inspiring. So our guest today uh, is not only just an accomplished 
writer, uh, but he's also been a pretty well-known actor too. Uh, he's been in some really cool projects, um, but just a really neat guy. And based off of what I've seen so far, he's got a really great personality. And I think you guys are going to be in, I think you're going to really, really enjoy today. So our guest is Mr. James Bailey, and uh, we'll get into uh, the interview here shortly, right after this work. Joshua T. Berglund, and welcome to a conversation with Joshua T. Berglund on the Live Mana Network. And of course, you can uh, scan this barcode here in the corner, and you can find links to our book, to our movie, uh, and also to the apps, to Roku, Amazon Fire. Uh, where else we at? Roku. Find our apps there. Watch us there. I look way better on a big screen than I do your phone. So, of course, you can. Well, my wife thinks I look good on the phone, too, but that's a whole other conversation. All right, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. James Bailey. So he's got a new book called The Diary of a Manic OCD Bookseller. Um, it came out in 2021, and that title alone tells me a lot about our next guest. I am so honored to have Mr. Bailey here. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome James Bailey. How are you, sir? Unfortunately, the book title is self-explanatory. <laughs> you know? well, I so I read the book title, and then I saw um, the legend tweeted out. Oh my! And I'm brain farting on his name. He tweeted Mel Brooks. Mel Brooks bought 13 copies of your book, and well, so that's my second book. <laughs> Okay, I, I have so many questions, but I want to. But first things first, Mr. Bailey, what are you grateful for today, and why? 
well, I guess I'm alive at this age. That's one thing. Well, you know, <laughs> you got to think of it like that. You know, I, I woke up this morning. <laughs> so. Well, you woke up this morning and you're doing stuff, which is that in itself yes. is awesome. I mean, I, I, it's so cool. And you've been, and you worked in, and you worked in Hollywood for years and you, but I, I, but Mel Brooks, I, I want to ask you about that because to me, I think comedy, you know, he's one of the great writers of all time. Like, how did you get to know Mel Brooks? That's a good story. And it's actually in my book, by the way. Oh, what, what happened? I was an actor, struggling actor in Hollywood, as you know, <laughs> how it goes. And I was sneaking into studios all the time. This is before they had all those crazy stalkers. You know, it was easy to get in, you know. <laughs> so what I would do, I would go to Fox and I would wait for the suits, you know, the guy corporate to go back from lunch. And I would join them and I would ask them the time or something. So the security assumed I was with them. You know, So I was going in there trying to meet direct, you know, trying to help my career. I wasn't didn't mean any bad things or anything. So one day I'm walking around and I hear this voice from behind me, a deep yelling voice. He goes, what the freak are you doing here? Are you insane? <laughs> so that's from behind me. I'm thinking, oh, Lord, what, what, who's behind me, you know? And I turn around, it's Mel Brooks. And he says, you're here every freaking day. You got the same clothes on, which is true. I had a $50 suit on, from Hollywood Boulevard. That's all I had. He said, I notice you, and if I notice you, security is going to notice you, right? And I said, no, I'm just, he said, I said, he said, what are you doing here? And I said, I'm trying to meet cast, you know, whatever, producers, trying to help my acting career. And he goes, well, that's not the way to do it. You know, you're, I don't want you to get in trouble. You know, he's being very nice to me. And after, I, 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 he said, I want you to leave the studio, <laughs> which I didn't, of course. I waited till he left, and I wandered around trying to meet casting people. You know, I was relentless, to, for lack of a better word. And the true story, the very next day, I had an audition for Charlie's Angels. So I had a legitimate pass at Fox, right? So I'm thinking, Fox is a big studio. I'll never see Mel, you know. So I'm walking in the studio legitimately, and guess who comes driving by in his Rolls Royce? Mel. And he just starts shaking his head like, oh, my God. So I run over to Mel. Mel, I got a pass. I'm a legit he said, well, tuck your freaking shirt in, you know, <laughs> so, and that's how we become friends. It's really bizarre, but, uh, you know, it, you know, and that's how I, I, my experience living in LA and how I became friends with certain people. And I'm not a name dropper at all, but it was something crazy. Just like that. Just being myself, not trying to fit in, not trying to be anything else, but me. And, it, that that's how like the Hollywood stars are people too. And I know there's some extra levels and all of that, but really ultimately they're people and this is their craft. Just like there's brilliant people in oil and gas and business and finance. Well, Hollywood has all of that stuff and, and, and that is truly their job and that's their art and what they work their butt off for. But maybe it's because they're on the screen that they're idolized. But the truth is they really are people too. And I've been blown away with that. No, I've only encountered a few that were disappointing where there was the ego and, you know, don't look at me, don't even yeah, right. hear me or whatever, it, it, any of that. So, okay, so a struggling actor. And the fact is you were in Chips. 
which that's you're not struggling too bad if you make it into chips. And uh, what's the other one? Was the uh, the Pander Heart? Was it the Pander Heart? Yeah, that was the last roll I had. Uh, yeah, well, that's true. But I I never got to to the point where you I'm walking down the street and they go, oh, there's that guy and so and so. You know, you know what I mean? That's what I would. That's do. tough to do, though. Yes, but that was my goal. So well, Mel told me. Yeah. So well, Mel told you. me. I'm sorry. No, no, it's okay. I so because of that, I, th- this is actually a great segue. I'm glad that you said it th- that way. Because your goal was to be recognized or to make it where you know acting was legitimately a career. You were known. You were on the Walk of Fame. You're doing all that stuff, and you fell short. Even though in a lot of people's eyes you were successful, how did you deal and cope with rejection? Because that is one of the oh. toughest things. You're rejected more than you're ever rewarded oh. in Hollywood. Yeah, you got that right. And uh, it's funny you say that. Since I made my book a bestseller, my my first book, and Adam Sandler, I almost did the movie. It was optioned for a movie. But my thinking is to motivate your listeners. I was living in my car and I was relentless. I would go to a bookstore and I would meet one or two people and, oh, you're an author. Nice to meet you. Never met an author. And I would say, well, if you buy it, I'll autograph it for you. So they would buy the book, two or three books. I get on the bus, go to another bookstore. I just wouldn't stop. You know, I was relentless. (laughs) I wanted my dreams to come true. That was my thinking. You know, you can't stop me. That was my logic, you know. And that's what it takes, too. And the other thing I think that is important for people to know, I mean, especially if you're pursuing acting, and the industry is way different now than it was back then. It's it's different than it, it's, it's different than it was five years ago. Yeah, right. I, I mean, COVID's changed things, streaming, uh, the, the streaming platforms, the fact that you don't need to be in Hollywood anymore to make a movie. It, it's just a completely different industry. But the fact is... When you're going for your dreams, you're going to deal with, obviously, rejection, but you can't give up on that. What was the, like, because I know that there's time. Oh, I know what I was saying. You can't, the, the thing that you that I had to realize for all of the rejections I had is that you can't take it personal because I'll, all it was is I didn't fit the vision. It wasn't that I wasn't good enough. It wasn't that I wasn't a good human or didn't work hard or didn't try hard, didn't know my lines. It's none of that. It's a, it's about the vision. There's casting directors for a reason. They have a vision. They're looking for a specific thing because they're painting this picture with their art. Is that how you looked at it when you were rejected or did you take it personal and want to set their car on fire? Well, that's a good segue to, I you know, the Charlie's Angels audition I was telling yeah. you about Mel. I went in there and I just, everybody loved me. The director, the, everybody said, oh, Jim, you're the, uh, you, you, you knocked us out, right? So I thought, well, I got this part, you know. I was, you know, on top cloud nine and walking around. Been <laughs> and, there too. Oof. Yeah, a couple of days, the phone doesn't ring. You know, they don't tell you when you don't get it. You know? <laughs> That's right. So, <laughs> so just by chance, I had another audition at that, at that same, they had a trailer out front of Fox and they had different shows. The casting directors are all these different, you know, had their own portable thing, you know. So anyway, I I walked by Charlie's Angels and I had to know why I didn't get that part. So they had I pretended to get water, I walked in their office, you know, and got water. And she said, 
the lady of the casting. She said, Jim, I'm so sorry. You were the best actor, but they, they, they decided they want a fat guy and you're too thin. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so, I'll eat some donuts, dude. Come on. Give me a, give me a week. Yeah, but I really snapped after that. You know, I'm very thin-skinned. And I, like you said, you can't take a personal, but I did, you know. So I got in my car and I just took off and drove towards Florida. I was just too, you know, too devastated for you know, lack of a better word. Oh, wow. So I started talking to Mel and I st- he said, well, Jim, if you write, or James, if you write screenplays, then you have some power or, or books, you know. You don't, yeah, you don't, you can't sell it. Unless, I won't sell them unless they put me in the movie. So that was my logic for writing. It was acting was the end goal. Does that make any sense? No, it makes perfect sense. It, it, it's very, very similar for me. Like I, I didn't really care so much about being an actor. I, I love producing. Okay. And as much as I love, you know, being a talk show host and all that, and I do, I love it. I, but it's more of my, I, the fact that I'm getting to live a childhood dream and actually exceeded a childhood dream uh, is a is a miracle and a blessing. But when it came to the entertainment business, for me, I it's producing. I love producing. I enjoy it. I love helping make other people's dreams come true. I love you know finding what's needed. I love you know every aspect of it. I enjoy that. I love the creative process. So. But for me, I didn't take the writing route. I didn't take the producing route. I didn't know any of those avenues. I actually came in the industry through product placement from having products. So I learned all that side of the business before I got into any of the acting. I mean, it was because of having products that I got to produce my first movie, that I got to act in my first movies and commercials. It all came from that. But the fact is that you don't have to take the same path to get where you want to go. Sometimes, have you ever heard of the third door philosophy? Well, here's my quick philosophy. Some okay. of us have to go a long way out of our way to get where we're going. You know, there's many details. <laughs> that's, so that's yeah. my thinking, you know. And that's okay, though. No, well, you, well matter of fact, H.O. has one of my scripts right now. So does Anonymous Content. And they also have my book. Because Simon and Schuster said I should get it to Netflix, so I got a lot of things going on, but That's I will cool. not sell it unless I get a, a, a good role in any of that stuff. So I'm only writing as an actor now. You so know, we'll I, but you, you're right. You took the power, yeah. and that you put your you position yourself in a powerful position where you get to call the shots. That's very similar to what my wife and I are doing with our approach for what we are going to do. Bravo. So I, I, this is inspiring for me. Like I really, really am encouraged by this. So thank you for that. Weren't you born in a really small town in Kansas? That's right. Yeah. Arkansas City, Kansas. It's spelled, <laughs> it's spelled like Arkansas City, but it's Arkansas City, Kansas. Yeah. Right. Ar- okay. So I'm, I was born in Oklahoma City. And, ah. uh, even though I call, I mean, LA is home to me. I was born in Oklahoma City, so I, you know, Kansas. Being a neighbor, I've been there a bunch. So, can you tell us how you got from Arkansas City? Well, wait, did I say that right? Arkansas. That you said it right. Arkansas okay. City or Ark City is a slang term or a short term. Okay, Ark City. We'll go with right. Ark City. How did you get from Ark City out to Hollywood? Oh, my God. That would take me about 100 books to write. <laughs> so, well, actually, what happened, uh, my mother's from Moorhead, Minnesota. 
and my dad was Moorhead, which is across the bridge from Fargo, North Dakota. You might yeah. know this if you're in Minnesota here. And uh, so anyway, as a kid, uh, my folks got divorced and I was going back and forth on the bus from Kansas to Minnesota. <laughs> so I was already thinking, I guess I was already, uh, and I had my first anxiety attack when I was five. So I was already <laughs> a tortured soul. So I, I guess that played out in my future because I, I couldn't, I started drinking a lot, you know, and I started just drifting around as I got older. I couldn't find my niche in life, you know. And I was very immature. And finally, when I was about 27, I actually got run out of a town in Colorado, of Vail, Colorado. I was getting drunk and getting thrown out of every bar in town. And this is actually a true story. The sheriff of Vail said, uh, Mr. Bailey, we want you out of town by 5 o'clock today. <laughs> now it seems bizarre, but, you know, like a Western or something. <laughs> so I finally said, you know, I got to get something going. And I started thinking about acting. I thought, well, I'm. You know, I'm unstable, <laughs> all the above. Maybe well, acting exactly. is good for me. So I went to Hollywood, <laughs> joined an acting school. So that's how I kind of a long, yeah, a long way around. You know, you know, there's that's that that sounds about right because it seems like everyone has a similar story. It actually makes me wonder if you hung out with my dad at all. <laughs> Because got my dad got thrown out of a plenty of towns. He was in a band. Oh touring with Ike and Tina and Jerry Lee Lewis. Oh. I think he got banned from Seattle. Oh he got, wow. I think he he's, banned. He got he's banned in a band, he's got an excuse. <laughs> oh, it's where I get it from, clearly, because my mom is like the patron saint of awesome and just, you know, I mean she's a good woman. Not rebellious, none of that stuff, not a troublemaker, at least the kind that gets you thrown in jail. But I got my dad's DNA, clearly. Um, so tell well, us I about... I quit drinking now, so that's in the past, you know. Well, that's good. I was about to say, I was going to ask you that because you have so much energy and, like, you are you have a bright light. And I just didn't think that you could possibly have that kind of light still drinking that way. So I'm glad yeah. to see that. So tell us about the OCD book. And forgive me for not having the title perfectly that's memorized. Right. But this is... One, the coolest title of a book I've ever heard in my life. But what's it about? Well, it's kind of how, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm, I'm thin-skinned. A lot of people think that meet me, oh, man, you, you got to be thick-skinned because I'll walk up to anybody on the beach or anywhere and give them a card for my book. I can't stop. And sure. even when I, I walk up to somebody, I hope I motivate some of your audience who, who want to be salesmen or pursue their dreams. I walk up to somebody who looks rich and they don't want to be bothered by me. And I tell myself, who cares about those people? I mean, you know, you got to do what you got to do. So I'll go up there and give them a card, tell them about my book. And if they're rude, so what? If, <laughs> so I just keep going. You got to, no matter how, you make a fool of yourself, so what? You know, That's right. you got to think of the big picture, the end game. You know, you got to do whatever you got to do to get to the top of the Mount, Mount Everest, you know? So that's basically what I do. I can't stop. I, I'm giving out cards. So that kind of helps me in that way. Oh, not, so your book is literally about that? Well, it's about one day I'm talking to Pierce Bronson, you know, that movie star, and he buys my book. We're having a nice chat. Next day I'm living on, I meet the bearded lesbian because I'm living on the streets. So, I, you know, I'm going, I'm, then I'm getting chased by a crazy homeless guy. So I kind of go up and down with the, <laughs> how I got the movie option. All during this period, I'm living in my car. 
far. It's pretty bizarre, really. <laughs> that sounds like an awesome TV show, but that's real life. Yeah, unfortunately, I wish it was a TV show. It's <laughs> so the, crazy. That's the. Those are the best kind of stories. Like I, I honestly, I think people could just tell stories, make movies out of their childhood, or their upbringing, or their journey. Like all those true stories. Like I don't understand why true stories need to be Hollywooded up, which is a word I just made up. Um, yeah. But I don't understand it because real life is way stranger than fiction. Amen. It's crazy. Like this, I, I have to I have to get your book. Ah. Because I mean, I get my book and my friend forever. Look how thick that is. I See that is a beautiful book. It's like we're trapped. All of us are trapped in a jar and we're trying to get out, you know. I escaped the matrix though. I thank God for that, but I but I know what you mean. Yeah. Wow. So what I so you is kind of reminds me of the Dave Thomas story, which I don't know how much of it's fictionalized or not, but Dave Thomas, and I'm not trying to call you old or anything, so please don't take what I I'm saying as disrespect. <laughs> but he never gave up on his dream, and it was like 70 something or whatever the age was before he finally made it. And like, I love this. I mean, and it reminds me of Noah and it reminds me of other characters of the Bible that just, they're waiting for the payoff. They get the vision, they have the dream and they don't give up on it until they get there. Let me ask you this though. How, like with not achieving the actual dream that you have yet, how have you kept yourself like, how have you rewarded yourself? Like, how have you been able to identify the little uh, milestones along the way that make you go, I'm on the right path. And so I'm not giving up because there's a lot of people that hate the journey and they give up on it because they never think they're going to get there. So what's kept you going? Well, talking to somebody like you and, and who buys my book, I, that's why I named the subtitle one book at a time. <laughs> so that keeps me going one book i just felt like i accomplished something. i know it may make any sense to you but it just gives me a drive to keep going you know that one more book that's closer that, to a movie you know if more that, books you sell more interested in a movie so, so that's okay. my logic you know, I, when i get tired or something me and you we need to hang out i gotta meet you where do you live uh well right now i mean i'm headed to la in about a week but i'm in louisiana as we speak Oh, what part of Louisiana? Uh, Lake Charles. You ever heard of it? It's on the... uh, yeah, I got a Lake Charles story for you. I'm going to forget what I was going to say, but it doesn't matter. The Lake Charles, I went, uh, there's a family called the, the Prince family. They're a bull riding family. Oh, okay. And when I was in college, one of my friends was dating one of the bull riders. And so we went to um, Lake Charles, Louisiana, where McNeese State is. Right. Yeah, Sulphur, uh, Sulphur, Louisiana. Yeah, that area. Yeah, I spent a, I spent a summer there, and I, I cucumbers and tomatoes and vinegar was one, like I learned how to like that there. But one of the things we went to a club, and I'll never forget it about this town because everywhere you drive, there's drive-through daiquiri stores, which is kind of crazy. Yeah, I know. I was just thinking. Everyone that. waves at you when you drive down the road. And then the other thing that I'll never forget was we went to this club 
And we walked in there playing country music. So everybody's line dancing, doing their thing. And then all of a sudden, and then, of course, there was African-Americans there, too, just hanging out. They weren't dancing to the country, really. The DJ turns on hip-hop. Next thing I know, everybody's on the dance floor hanging out. I've never seen anything like it where just everybody just got along. Everyone's in community with each other. Didn't really matter if you were black or white. Like, that was my impression of that town. It was just a, a very friendly, loving place that was humid and had bugs the size of my head. <laughs> Is that still true there? Uh, yeah. <laughs> There's not a lot of things to do. I, most, I do most of my writing here. Okay. Because it's not a real, it's not, L.A. There's always something happening. You know what I mean. <laughs> oh, it's, it's almost, like, I miss it. I fight myself with this all the time because right now I'm surrounded, like, literally what I'm looking at is a nature preserve on this, at, out this window. It's our backyard. How we landed this house, I have no idea. But it's a nature preserve. So we've got birds, all kinds okay. of animals just everywhere. And I love it. It's so beautiful and so peaceful. But there is nothing to do here in comparison to L.A., where L.A. is like every night of the week, all day every, long. Every it's, day, yeah. You can meet exhausting. a movie star walking in a grocery store and start up a conversation. <laughs> yeah, yes. yeah. So, yeah. But I'm also learning to appreciate the quiet because, like you said, you can write. And I want yeah. to go back to something, too, when you were saying one book at a time. For my journey, because I have – every goal I have and dream I have – Seems impossible, but I keep getting these little reminders that I'm on the right path. And I feel like, and I believe that when we are pursuing it, whether it's one book at a time or one email from some stranger saying, Hey, I watched your show. I found it here. And I really appreciate what you're doing or whatever it may be. Like, I love those little reminders because what I've learned to appreciate is the little reminders are almost as good, if not better, than actually accomplishing the goal. Because as soon as you accomplish the goal, it's like, well, crap, what's next? I'm still alive. Yeah. Is it the same way for you? Well, you know, a psychiatrist told me 100 years ago, he said, James, everybody has to have a purpose to get up every morning or you cease to exist. And he was talking about mentally and physically. So I always remind myself, you know, you got to get moving. You got to get going. You got to you accomplish something. You know, be productive. So you ha even though I, even though you don't feel like it, like I do 500 push-ups every day and run, because I have a lot of anxiety and it gets rid of it. So if I say I'm tired, I don't want to do that today. I make myself do it. You always have to make yourself. And after you do it, there's that gratification. You know, man, I feel so. I, I didn't want to do it, and I did it. And good, good man, keep it going. You know that kind of. Yeah. <laughs> that kind of, Boost yourself up a little bit, you know. I admire that. I love that. So it's in the book. Out to LA for <laughs> it's all in the book. <laughs> what are you going out to LA for next week? Do you have meetings for your movie? Well, what I do basically, I go to Malibu and I, you know, where everybody, most of the movie people, and I, if I see somebody look like they like to read, or well, in Malibu they're so rich, they could, you know, buying a. Buying a book to them is like buying a Snickers, you know, so so I promote my book. And a lot of times I'll see somebody writing and I say, oh, you're a fellow writer and actor. So I, I do a lot of networking out there. Yeah, so, it's, it's, that is the ultimate place to do it, especially when you're in this business. 
And what I do is people, most people think I live in Malibu, but you know, whenever the bus comes to make sure nobody's looking and I run to get on the bus, you know, so you know. it's in my book. <laughs> you see that, but even that is inspiring to me because look, I'm preaching to the choir here, talking to you, but again, as someone that is going for their dreams, I, I don't have time to worry about not having the money I need to do this or that or to get our movie made. We we made a movie. Uh, it was about, it's my story. It's called The Devil Inside Me. We yeah, I, I checked it out. Yeah. We didn't, we didn't have any money, but we were able to make it a bestseller internationally. We didn't have any money, but we made a movie with B-roll and hoping to take that, or not hoping, we are doing it, pitching the B-roll movie is the concept for what we want to create, the franchise that we want to create. And it sounds crazy. And it wasn't perfect. And yeah, I could point out all the errors in the world. But to me, I believe whether you look at it as God or the universe or whatever it may be, I believe that if you're taking those steps in faith, they will pay off and they will be rewarded. And while you can sit around and wait all day long until everything's perfect. And guess what? It's never going to be perfect. There's never going to be enough money. There's never going to be enough of whatever if you're one of those people that are sitting and waiting. But if yeah. you take action, good things are going to come to you. Yes. You just don't, if you're uh, trying to get a, something going, a movie, whatever it is, your business, don't be afraid to put yourself out there and make a fool of yourself. You know. Who cares? You know, you got bigger things in life. <laughs> I'll give yeah. you a good Mel Brooks story. So anyway, I'm in the bookstore, Barnes & Noble in L.A., and I'm trying to get some woman to buy my book like I'm usually doing, you know. And uh, not from me, but in the store. They would buy it from the store, you know. So uh, this woman, I only talked to her for about a minute, and I could tell she wasn't interested, you know. So I move on to the next person, you know. And whatever reason, I looked at the Internet that night, and she – you know, it wasn't Twitter, but something similar like that. Oh, I met the author, James Bailey, and blah, blah, you know, saying negative things about me, you know. It's like, wow, I just met the woman for me. <laughs> you know? So anyway, I was feeling really bad because people can write anything about you on the Internet, I, you know, these days, you know. So I was feeling sad, and I called Mel up, and I said, man, Mel, I'm sick to my stomach. He, he goes, why? I said, well, I met this gal, and I, I was trying to get her to buy my book, and she just that trashed me on the Internet. He goes, did you mention your name? I go, yeah. Did you mention your book? I go, yeah. Well, that's great. <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> you know? And he said, are you going to quit plugging your book because of her? I said, no. He said, well, shut up then and get back to work. <laughs> so what a good friend. Yes. So that's what you got to You can't worry about some little person. Maybe you had a fight with their boyfriend before they met you. You know, you can't, you know, you got to keep moving, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I learned uh, from that. This is why this is why God says that wisdom is the ultimate treasure. I don't think he actually said that verbatim, but I whatever. It's the same thing. Because wisdom, like I mean, what you're saying right now is going to impact and is impacting so many people because we all, I think we all, don't we? I mean, as a whole, crave something more or know that we're meant for something more. At least I pray that you believe that. But I, 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 this is this is so inspiring to me, and you're right too about the negative press. The way that SEO works and technology works, 
trust me, if somebody any if somebody is saying your name and saying your work and they're bashing it, they're doing you a favor. Yeah, I know, I but even though I'm thin skin, it's still hard. Like, well, I'll give you a good example. My first book. Well, actually, this is a good motivational story for you or anybody. I was walking around Malibu, my first book, Man Interrupted, and uh, I met this British woman, and she said, well, I said, do you like to read? They have a bookstore, you know, over here. She said, well, I like to read, but you should meet my son-in-law. And I go, well, who's your son-in-law? She said, well, he just directed a movie at Tribeca Film Festival. I said, yeah, I'd like to meet your son. <laughs> so she called him up. He came, nice-looking guy. He bought my book. And uh, he called me the next day. I want an option for a movie. So I did that on my own. So if I could do it, anybody can do these things, you know, not necessarily the movie business, but, you know, anything, startup, whatever you're up to, you know. Oh, man, this is so cool. Will you please tell the audience how they can support you, how they can buy your books? And we create a media kit that we publish and we'll put it out, but we'll have links to all your books and everything. But why don't you okay. tell everybody that's watching right now? where they can find you and support you. Uh, my last, this is my third book and my favorite book, The Diary of a Manic OCD Bookseller by James Bailey. And it's only $10.32. I try to make it as cheap as I could so I could get people to read. Or if you're broke like me, which 99 cents on Kindle, but I'm more of a book person, you know? So I, I like to touch the book, yeah. Yeah, like, yeah, like a piece of art or something. Are you on social media or anything? I'm on Facebook. Me and Mel together on the in his studio. So it's a good picture of me and Mel. If I wasn't banned from Facebook, I would add you as a friend. But I'm you're banned, banned from Facebook. Facebook. Yeah, well, that's yeah, that's a, I, that banning crap. I don't go for that. Yeah, <laughs> that's what a happens honor, I think. You know, it, it's it's amazing. I want to live in a world like. Listen, I don't like racism, and I don't like discrimination, and I don't like homophobia. I don't like any of that stuff. Can't stand it. But you know what? I'd rather be able to see it than have it hidden. If somebody's an a-hole, I would rather know up front they're an a-hole and not have to worry about, like, oh, you, you know, like the question. And the fact yeah. is, when you make everything go underground, nothing, grow, nothing good grows in the dark. So just let it out. Let it out. You may get your feelings hurt, but it's a lot better than, you know, having somebody that's in the closet hating your guts. Just my opinion anyway. No, you're right. You're 100% right. Like Mel Brooks told me, he couldn't do the movies he did back then because Oh, my God, stuff. no. Yeah, the correct crap, you know? <laughs> no, and that's like, you know, that generation uh, like of comedy, and mind you, it was a completely different time. And yeah, there was they had their issues back then, too. But, you know, that kind of comedy just can't be done now, which is kind of a shame because we're all really worthy of being made fun of. Like we all do things that are worthy of being joked at. We all do it. And it's just easier when we can laugh at ourselves and laugh at our own ignorance or whatever it may be. But, you know, comedy, the problem with comedy now is there's no truth in it. And when there's no truth, even, you know, there's got to be some truth in comedy for it to really be funny. Now it's just opinions. I might as well watch Fox News and God knows I don't want to do that. Well, I watch that and I take half of it as half, half, I take, you know, I'm more of the common sense kind of guy. I try to filter everything out and figure out what's, what's the truth. Is, yeah. And it's tough. It's tougher now to do that than ever. But nonetheless, I, I'm so grateful for your time, Mr. Bailey. I, yes. I'm rooting for you and I am going to buy your book. 
because Bravo. I, if I can help you with your movie or anything, let me know. Oh well, yeah, of course. <laughs> but we'll have that conversation off air. Okay. Um, and again, I'm going to buy your book today. I and I encourage the audience. And it, this again, just talking to you means a lot to me because I know how hard it is what you're trying to do. And, and I just have a ton of respect for it. And, and I just thank you for being here because it's been so encouraging to me. Um, and so, yeah, I'm a, I'm a fan, Mr. Bailey. And thank oh, you thank again you. for being here. Thank you. All right, sir. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Man. I almost want to cry. Like, you don't get a cookie for going for your dreams. What you get is backlash and hate and confusion because people don't understand what you're trying to do. Get called crazy, psycho, delusional. You need help. But... The one thing that I, I hold in my heart to be true is that it's the crazy ones that change the world. The ones that are crazy enough to believe that they can change the world. The ones that they're crazy enough to believe that they are worthy of accomplishing the dreams and visions inside their head. Even though I've boldly talked about a lot of what we're doing and what we want to do and there, if I told everything that we were trying to do, you definitely would think I needed to be locked up and committed. But I admire people like that. Um, because what he's trying to do is really tough. So I enjoyed that. That was great. Thank you so much for being here. Um, new show that we have that I'm doing, hosting a solo show, because I like to hear myself talk. No, just kidding. Well, maybe there's some truth in that. But I, um, I, I am also known as a shock jock evangelist because I love the Lord and, um, and I, I have my own way of sharing my love for the, the Lord. And uh, so I'll give you guys a sneak peek. Actually, it's not really a sneak peek. It's just video uh, to close us out. But um, I'm really excited. It's called Spoken Word with Joshua T. Berglund. And um, it's a little bit different type of ministry, but it's part of our Church Redefined channel on the Live Mana Network. And uh, we're one episode up, we'll do another one this week. And I uh, appreciate you. But that message is some discernment. And it's worth checking out. So thank you for being here. And uh, we'll see you next time. One life, one try, one rep on one man, what I stand for.